let's turn to Psalm 103 today as a beginning point. Verse that most everybody here is familiar with. In Proverbs 16, it says, There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is, are the ways of death. And I'll read that from a couple other translations. There is a way that seems right to a man and appears straight before him, but at the end of it, it is the way of death. The NIV says, There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. And two other translations. There is a path before each person that seems right. And, you know, we can relate to that to some extent. And we can see that with other people, be it non-Christians and sometimes with Christians. Uh, there's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. And then... A modern version says, before every man there lies a wide and pleasant road he thinks is right, but it ends in death. It ends in a place that the person normally doesn't think it's going to end. And this way or the path that someone sees and how they relate to what they see is very important because... Uh, for example, a person, if they relate to what they're seeing through their emotions, let's say, or through their reasoning, and that's the choice they make, that's the direction they go, or maybe it's a cultural thing. I've seen this on the mission field where choices are made based upon a cultural thing. And, you know, God's not necessarily in every culture uh, he, he, he does a certain thing. He has a certain way. He moves a certain, in a certain path. And sometimes people in certain cultures view things in such a way and base their decision on what is normal or acceptable in their culture. And then, of course, if a person sees something and it's pleasing to the flesh, there is a way there that a lot of times that individual will go based upon their old nature, the flesh. And that direction, making a decision based on these ways, um, our reasoning and so forth, what we may want will end up in death, spiritual death. And there's a strange thing that I've seen, uh, and I see this with Christians that they don't see here we're taught that we need to look to the Lord we need to go to him when we make certain decisions and basically everything in our life we are to look to the Lord and have our heart toward him and our decisions are to be based upon what the Lord is showing us, what he's revealing to us, we want him to decide for us. But that's not necessarily a common thing with all Christians. Uh, because I have seen Christians who have been Christians since, let me see, uh, the 70s, the eight, late 70s, early 80s, or thereabouts. And I've seen them make certain decisions over the years they decide what they want to do. They decide the direction they want to take. They decide what they want to do as far as their job. They decide what church they want to go, go into. 
They decide where they want to live in the country, and they go. Without any consideration as far as, Lord, is this your way? There may be a, a token, well, Lord, you know, if this isn't your will, you know, stop me. But he may not do that. He wants this thing between two people, you know, between two people, I mean the Lord and the individual, uh, this relationship. So Proverbs also says that, and I wanted to read this, and we, we know the end of this verse where it says there's, a, there's a safety in the multitude of counselors, but it says, where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So you can have, and another, another translation here says, without wise leadership, a nation falls. And we see that today. There is safety in having many advisors. Well, that's, that's true as long as the advisors are advising according to uh, what the Lord is directing. And then, once again, when you say that, that opens this wide field. Everybody says, well, the Lord says this, the Lord says that. So, you know, you know this is right, this is, this is not right. So that's one thing. And the second thing, I'm kind of getting away from where I want to go here for a second. The second thing I've really seen, especially recently, is that as Paul says in Galatians about walking in the Spirit, you know, that's not just some words that he penned. Walk in the Spirit, that's in the command form, I believe, when he says walk, that verb. And so we're commanded to go to the Lord for direction. See, how can you walk in the Spirit? It's not talking about walking in the physical. It's talking about a spiritual thing. How can you walk in the Spirit without having this dependency upon the Lord and having this relationship with Him, uh, without you desiring Him to show you the path and then to walk in it. So you, you can't walk in the Spirit. And if a person makes their own decisions and they go their own way, then there is a big problem now because there is no guidance of the Spirit now in their life. And then one decision will lead to another decision, a carnal decision, and then, you know, they're moving in a different direction in a different way. And the Bible calls it the ways of man. The ways of man. So the ways of man, we know and we see this with unbelievers. And that way gets them in trouble. But the ways of man can be something that a Christian moves into. And I'm telling you what, there, there, is a lot of, there are a lot of things that are not emphasized today in churches that need to be emphasized. And as I said, going to the Lord and following His way. And I actually want to talk about that today. It's not as common as you would think. Because Christians, a lot of times, I, I have my own view on why that is. And I believe it's based in, in the Word. But they go and they make a decision... And they start to move in a certain way. Now, can the Spirit of God now at that point bring about illumination to where now, okay, well, even though I went this way and I made this mistake, now I can you know, straighten out and, and start to walk in the Spirit? Well, I believe yes. But there's, at times there, there are certain things that need done and corrected within 
so that at that point, the way that that individual walks is, as it says, Paul says, walk circumspectly, walk carefully. And, you know, that's meaning, I believe, that you are not making your decisions. It's the Lord is the, is the one that you're depending upon. And I understand that there are times whenever the direction in something small is not clear. And the Lord does not come in a way that is very clear to show you this is a particular way. And what I do a lot of times is just wait and, and just see how the Lord's moving and see if he's, you know, bringing things together for a particular thing. And then if he does, then okay, I'll, I'll go in that way. But I want to be able to be open to the Lord so that if there, there is a change of direction there, that, you know, I can follow that. And so now we're getting back to this thing of hearing and walking with God, walking in the Spirit. And it's a learned thing, and it's not just a New Testament thing. It is a thing that you see throughout the Bible, and it is an individual thing. It's not you know, just New Testament and not Old Testament. Now, in Psalm 103, verse 7... It says, he, meaning God, made known his ways to Moses. So he has ways. The Lord has ways. And his acts to the children of Israel. So right there, when I see that verse, I see a difference in heart condition there between Moses and and the children of Israel. And that particular truth moves down today, and you see the same basic thing. Those who desire God's ways and walk in God's ways have a certain heart condition, and there are others that are not so keen on certain things, doing certain things. They may, they may say that, or they may believe, as, as you hear a lot about this or that in the Scriptures, but... The focus of the heart and the condition of the heart, what's going on in that person, can be much different. Hence, if it is different, there will be a moving and a dependency upon themselves, their own way, walking in their own way, rather than walking after God and His ways. Now, I actually went and looked at this, and I don't know if we're going to get through this whole thing. I'll try, but there are various meanings of this word in the Old Testament, his ways. And that's a a Strong's number, 1870, I believe. And it it has a lot of different applications, and it just means, you know, like going some way. Like I I come here and I I went this way. Uh, But it's also that word is used in various ways relating to, to the Lord, our ways, same word, and his ways, same word, but different, different outcomes, different direction, and, and so forth. So I want to write some of these on the board to begin with. What are his ways? His revealed will. 
And when I say that, it, and I look at this, and it's meaning what God has revealed in his word. So there has to be some basis for us as Christians. When we first become Christians, I mean, there has to be some basis by which to start to, to function because we don't understand the moving of the Spirit. We don't understand how to walk in the Spirit. We don't understand much of anything. So there has to be some basis to start from. And as I see it and as I have experienced in my life, the Lord directed me to his word, and he was starting to lay a foundation in my life through his word and his revealed will in his word. Okay, for example, you know, you, know, you don't steal. Some basic things that we see in the law uh, dealing with the, the moral aspect of the law, not necessarily the legislative aspect, the, you know, the, um, the different laws that they had. Uh, pertaining to sacrifices now. But the moral law that we see dealing with the Ten Commandments, see, those things have not passed away. You, you didn't get up this morning and, and say, well, you know what, I'm not, I, I really shouldn't go out and kill anybody today. See, that's something that's ingrained in you because you're a believer, mainly, and you function in that without putting the Ten Commandments before you. So it's something the Lord does in us, and he, he puts this foundation, or he gives us a basis by which to start to, to move. Now, in Psalm 119, I'll read this. This is a, the psalmist says, I will meditate on your precepts and have respect to your ways. And then after that says, the, meaning your ways, the path of life marked out by your law. So... The, the people in the Old Testament looked to the law for guidance, but the law, see, was to take them to the Lord, or as Paul says, to Christ. It's to take them, it's to give them a basis by which to function, but they were to move above that in this relationship with the Lord. And you see this with David whenever he eats the showbread. Now, that was against the law. It was against the Mosaic law. But it was correct because of the relationship that, uh, Moses, uh, excuse me, that David had with the Lord. And, of course, he didn't do that frequently. He did that on that particular, you know, at that, at that time, in that instance. So there was a basis by which the law brought certain things, for example, to David. But see, that's not the end. Keeping laws is not what the Lord wants. He's interested in this relationship with him. And so when you have the relationship with him, then he can lead you into certain paths that if you don't have that relationship, you will not see, you will not walk in. Um, if David related only to the law, he would never have done that. You know, there were certain things. For example, whenever, um, as I said to begin with in the beginning here, that the multitude of counselors, there's, there's safety in the multitude of counselors. But if you remember, whenever David is in the cave of Adullam and Saul comes, doesn't know David and his men are in the back. They go into the back of this cave, maybe some tunnel somewhere, and Saul comes with his army, and Saul is there, and 
his advisors say, the Lord has delivered him into your hand. Now go kill him. And, you know, that looked, the circumstance looked as if that's what the Lord was doing. But because this relationship uh, David had with the Lord, something else was there. And he says, no, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. He was there. He could have killed him. And he could have been justified uh, in the eyes of men that that was right. The counselors there were giving him counsel, but it wasn't the correct counsel, see. So it's good to have counsel, but it's also uh, something that we have to have a relationship with the Lord so that we can hear. And so David proceeds in a different way. Uh, So in Deuteronomy 15, and we don't have to turn there. Well, let's just look at one verse. We know this verse. Deuteronomy 15, one of the verses says, uh, You shall not harden your heart or, or shut your hand toward your poor brother. And then in Galatians, Paul says the, basically the same thing. He talks about the different men in the church who are pillars. And then he says that, that they said, one of the things that they um, were relaying to him that he should do was to remember the poor. And he says, and that's what the Lord had showed me. That's what I've, I've, I've done, this, the same thing. So that's in the Old Testament. And you see that in the New Testament where, you know, that's a thing that you, you are to remember the poor. And once again, that's his revealed will that you can see in his word, Old Testament and New Testament. But in um, Deuteronomy 15, 1, And at the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release of debts. So that's what they did in Israel. They would, they would you know, just get rid of everyone's debt. Now, that's not something that is done today anywhere that I know of in the world. I mean, it may be, but it's not here. Uh, We don't function in that. That was something the Lord set up for the nation of Israel. So there were certain things in the law pertaining to Israel as a nation being a theocracy. You know, before they had the kings and what have you, the Lord wanted to be the one who, you know, would guide them and lead them and, uh, you know, be their king. And so he set this up, these particular laws. Now, that would be something for us that we, you know, we don't have to, to follow that unless the Spirit of God would you know, say, you, know, you need to forgive that debt of someone. That's something different. So he has certain things in his word that he reveals to you, to me, that are in the Old Testament, New Testament, and, and those there... Are, are his ways. You know, remember the poor. Now, again, that does not mean now that you just, everybody leaves and goes down to the soup kitchen in Northside and starts to feed the poor. You know, you have to be led by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God is, you know, leading you to do that, or if the Spirit of God is leading you to give someone uh, that is less fortunate, maybe a neighbor or whomever, you know, give them something, money or, or some material thing, then, then that's different. Um, that's what you are to do. You know, 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that is presently proceeding out of the mouth of God. What he's showing you, that's what you do. And so then you fulfill the law. You're not keeping the law per se. See, you're fulfilling that. Uh, as I, I said, you get, up, you get up this morning and you didn't have to think about going out. Uh, hopefully, you didn't, you didn't think about going out and committing adultery, or you didn't think about going out, oh, today I think I won't steal. When I, when I get up, I go to church, and after church, I'm not going to steal or, or commit adultery. No, we should be functioning in something much higher than that to where that's not even in the picture. And that's what the Lord wants in everything, I believe. And, and that's why I believe Paul put emphasis in Galatians 5 about walking in the Spirit, because the Spirit of God is to lead us and guide us. And it says in another portion, he leads us and guides us into all truth. All truth. Not necessarily the truth written in the Bible. That's true. I mean, he leads us and guides us in that. But he leads us and guides us into what is true and how that is to apply to us today, as I said with David in, in the cave. So this whole thing, you know, we... Christians want to take it and, and say, okay, now it says this, this is what I'm going to do, this is where I'm going to go, and, and so forth. And they miss this other aspect here many times of being led of the Spirit and, and doing what the Lord is teaching and showing uh, the individual. And so that becomes a difficult thing for many because to be led of the Spirit means you must be dependent upon Him. Led. See, led, what is that? What's it mean to be led? What, what type of verb is led? Anybody? Passive. So here's Richard, he's sitting here, he's passive. So to be led, he must be taken and pulled now, now he has to be open to the Lord, to the Spirit of God, and be passive to be led. See, you can't be led if you are not passive. And to be passive to the Lord means there has to be a surrender in your heart. It's that simple. So be led of the Spirit, or led by the Spirit. That is going to take a certain heart condition that is going to be passive and say, I'm not going to go my own way. I'm not going to go in my own path. I'm not going to do what I think I should do. I am going to wait for the Lord, or I'm going to obey the Lord in what he's showing me on a personal level. And so that becomes, for Christians, a sticking point. And what I mean by that, they might acknowledge that the Bible says that, but as far as them being led, they may, be, they may have no clue whatsoever because of several things. One is that they're not passive, they're not surrendered. Another may be because they don't have the Spirit of God. And, and I don't mean initial salvation either, the, the, the earnest of the Spirit, the, 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 the deposit of the Spirit. I'm talking about having the Spirit of God in a fuller way. Which actually brings me to some, another thought. The leading of the Spirit. Many do not know that 
I believe, because they are not, let me say it this way. I have seen this and I've been watching this. And I saw this recently within the last couple of months. And in particular, just maybe in the last few weeks with the, with the Christians. And whenever you say, now I'll say this to you. Have you ever sensed the presence of the Lord? In John, five, it's, or John 3, 5, I think it is. He says that the wind blows and you hear the sound thereof. So is everyone that is, you know, birth or born of the Spirit. So when the wind blows and you're outside, on your out, and you're outside, do you feel the wind on your skin if you have a short sleeve shirt and the wind starts to blow? You feel it across your hair? Yes. Have you sensed the Holy Spirit, the wind of the Spirit of God, blowing on the inside of you? Now, when I say that, I can just feel, and I hate to use the word feel, but I can feel the Spirit of God inside of me moving. The, the hairs on my head start to tingle. And I was explaining that to, trying to explain that to some Christian, and it was like they had this blank look on their face. Why, have, why has not everyone experienced that? See, to me, that was one of the things that told me and witnessed to me that I was a child of God. Because the cults can use the same Bible. They can use some of the same promises and say that they're saved. But see, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are a child of God. That's what the, uh, John says in his epistles. So why a Christian would not experience that? If, if you have not experienced that, you need to get to the altar and you need to stand before the Lord and pray and you need to praise the Lord and thank Him for your salvation. You, know, you need to have the Spirit of God fall upon you and witness to you on the inner being, in your inner being. See, because just coming to church doesn't mean you're saved. So I see this with certain Christians, and I'm puzzled why. I mean, I know I'm not the only one who's experienced that. But there are certain Christians that, you know, they maybe they, they accepted the Lord, but they're not following him, and they're not experiencing certain things that they should experience. See, you as a Christian should sense the Spirit of God in you. Not all the time, but there are times when I sit here and the Spirit of God's moving, and it's just like inside, it's like, and you know, you get the goose, pimp, goose pimples, you know. I do get on my arm, and Spirit of God's moving. And I'm not saying I'm more, I'm not, I'm not working anything up. I'm just, I'm sitting there. My heart's open to the Lord. You need to experience that. Because that means you are a child of God. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are a child of God. And so where are some Christians? Why don't they experience these things? There may be various reasons. Um, maybe they, they are, are so interested in well, I accept the Lord, but now I'm going to, as I said, I'm going to follow my own ways, my own path. Uh, you know, 
what I want to do in my life. I want to be successful, my definition of success, and all these other things. And whenever a person does that and they go that way, it, it kind of drowns out the Spirit of God. You know, you, you read in the Old Testament in Kings where it talks about the still small voice. And um, what's the verse that says that, uh, that there will be a voice behind you in Isaiah saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. This is the way, this is God's way. This is the way you need to walk. This is how you need to do this. This is something in you that needs change. This is the way. Well, that would, that would kill me if I had to just stand up in front of, you know, the church here and, and audibly praise the Lord. Wow! You know, there are Christians that don't praise the Lord. You know that? Sometimes I think that's a problem. So you hear this voice behind you. Well, if you're busy going your own way, walking in your own path, then you might not hear the voice behind you saying... This is the way, walk in. Oh, you might, but you might not. So, see, Christianity, you know, is more than going to church, reading the Bible, and praying. I mean, all those things are good. But what does John say? The Spirit will bear witness with your spirit. So, you know, you should... And I'm not trying to condemn anyone. But I'm trying to point something out. That there are Christians that do not experience this witness of the Spirit within them. And that to me, and I remember, this was before I received the baptism of the Spirit. When I first got saved, there was a witness and I knew something had happened. I knew it. And inside, I knew something hap happened. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the witness of the Spirit where you feel this, this movement in you at times. So sometimes I'll sit down and I'll study. It depends. And if something, just like the Lord just opens something up that's very different, and I'm seeing these things, sometimes I just, I, I just feel that rush of the Spirit. And sometimes when I come up and pray for people, sometimes. Uh, last week I prayed for a couple of people. Was it last week or the week before last? And, and I sensed the presence of the Lord. Not just nece necessarily in what I was saying, but just the presence of the Lord there. Uh, you know, bearing witness that I was to pray, that I was to be there. You know, that I was a child of God. And so I want you to reflect on that this week and go to the Lord if you haven't experienced that. You know, we have teaching down in the Bible school, and teaching is good. That's what I do. That's what the Lord has put before me to do. But that's no substitute for the Spirit of God. That's no substitute for the witness of the Spirit. That They should go hand in hand. And, you know, you, you share this with, I was sharing this with some Christian, this individual, and it was like this, this blank, I said, how do you know you're saved? 
And their first thing they said was, well, because the Bible says this, the Bible says that. I said, no, no. How do you know for sure that you're saved? Because there are people in the cults that go to the Bible and use the same verse. How do you know you're saved? When the Lord had me uh, at the Balk Mill Center, there, at the time, there were a lot of Jehovah Witnesses. And there were two, and one in particular, that every couple of days they would come over and say, okay, what do, you, what do you see as far as this scripture? I said, he says, well, you go home and you, you look at that, and, and I'll go home and we'll look at that, and we'll meet together at lunch and we'll discuss it. So we went back and forth with some of these verses. And, of course, they want to lead you a certain way with a certain verse, and I was aware of that. And so um, I was sitting there with them talking, and we did this for, I don't know, maybe five, six weeks, a couple times a week. And th there, there came a place where he could not convince me, and I could not convince him. And there was a standoff. And the Lord said to my heart, this is very, very clear. He said, the next time he comes, lay your hands on him and pray. Tell him you're going to pray for salvation. Because remember, the Spirit of God, I, I believe that the Spirit of God, this is what happened, the Spirit of God was going to bear witness that I was a child of God. And I might even use that scripture with him, I don't know. But uh, he came and I'll never forget this. Some of you that know where East Oppon East is, in the open area where the, the tow line is. So I'm standing there, and he comes around the corner from West Oppon. West he comes around the corner, and he starts. And I said, listen, I said, you say that you have accepted Christ. Is that right? He said, yes. I said, I say I have accepted Christ and am born again. I said, now, who's right, you or me? I said, now, and I went over and I put my hand on his shoulder, and I said, now, let's pray together and accept Christ together right now so that we have the witness of the Spirit. And his eyes got as big as golf balls, and he backed off like this, and he literally almost ran all the way down the aisle, the main aisle to get away, and never came back. And I said, wow, I wasn't really expecting that. I was expecting something different. But the point is that the Spirit of God was there bearing witness, but, see, the witness that he had was based upon his view of the law or his view of the Word. It wasn't based on having the witness of the Spirit in him. Because if he did, he wouldn't have taken off. He would have stayed there. And I learned something through that, that the Holy Spirit, see, he's the one that bears witness in us. And when we have that witness in us, and we want to hear the voice behind us saying, this is the way, walk ye in it then we are more apt to have the communication that will direct us in his way rather than in our own way. So David heard the voice behind him rather than the counselors 
this is the way, walk ye in it for this. And so he, he went in that way. He went in that direction. And, you know, we have a tremendous advantage today as Christians. Uh, then, I don't want to say then those in the Old Testament because it's, they, had, they had quite a bit. Um, we're not burdened down, though I guess we can be, we are not so burdened down with the law like the Jews were. That was right there in front of them. And, you know, when they would go in the synagogue, you know, they, they would read from the law and recite the law and, and so on and so forth. And they were, they were encouraged to keep the law. So we have a great advantage because, you know, we're not in a church or we're not in a time, we're in the New Testament time, where you're not taught that you, you are to keep all these laws. So we have this advantage. The second big advantage is Jesus said that I'm going to go to the Father, and after I go to the Father, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And so now we have the Holy Spirit. You came to Christ. You have a deposit of the Spirit in you, which now gives you this tremendous advantage over others that do not. And if you're going to listen to the Lord, and you're going to direct your life in His direction, you know, then He can, can tell you and show you and help you. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into your own understandings. Don't you try to figure out, you know, the way. Don't you try to figure out uh, the, the way the Lord wants to go. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct thy path, or he's going to direct your way. He's going to open that up so that now you can see. Now you can follow. Now you can, to a great degree, hear. And you know that your hearing as a Christian will be based upon, largely, your obedience. So if the Lord shows you a particular thing, and you know that's the Lord, and you don't do that, and you move in disobedience in that particular thing, then your heart, to a degree, it may just be some small degree, becomes hardened, and now your hearing is not as keen as it should be. So if, if you want to develop hearing so that you can hear the voice behind you, this is the way, and to be able to walk in that way, if you want that, then you need to be obedient to whatever, whatever. Um, and whenever you're obedient in, to, in exactly what you know is the Lord that helps your hearing. I remember that I was at uh, work one time, and uh, there was something there that was quite, I don't want to just go in and tell you the whole thing, but it was quite annoying, and I was, this individual was not doing his job that I worked with, and it, it was so bad that I 
proceeded to do a certain thing. He wasn't even around. And as soon as I did it, the Lord came to me and says, make that thing right right now. So I I had to turn around. It's just like I turned around to walk away, and it wasn't a, a big thing. But the Spirit of God touched my heart to go around and change what I just did. I did something that was, you know, going to be an annoyance for the other guy. And the Lord says, okay, no. And I I knew better when I was doing it, but I was kind of, you know, upset about the situation. If we obey, even in some small thing, that helps our hearing. See, how's hearing developed? Your children, when they're young, how is their hearing developed? In other words, whenever they, how are they going to develop as far as listening to you? See, you can talk to them and talk to them and talk to them, and, you know, it's like they don't listen. They do their own thing. But whenever they start to, to do what you say, that's a plus for them because that develops them in other ways, see. So I want to leave you with this thought today that God has a way. Moses knew God's way. Why did Moses knew God's way or know God's way? And the children of Israel did not. See, was he special? Yeah, he was special. But why was he special? Because he had a heart to follow the Lord. He had a soft heart. And so he said yes. He obeyed the Lord and he walked in God's ways. And when he began to obey the, the Lord, in, even in the very beginning, you know, he was having trouble. But, you know, he went to Pharaoh doing what the Lord showed him to do. See, that developed something in him. And he had a capacity to see God's ways. Now, he knew this one way, and that was that he had to go into Pharaoh. That was the Lord revealed that way to him. But as he did that, the Lord started to, I believe, reveal his ways in other other ways. (laughs) His ways in other ways. He revealed to him other things pertaining to his ways. And the children of Israel, on the other hand, they had no interest in relationship with the Lord. Rather, they wanted to go back to Egypt. They wanted to do what they wanted. Uh, They wanted to murmur and complain about Moses and about Aaron and whomever. And because they did that, see, that to me reveals a heart condition. Their heart condition was not the same as Moses. That's why they saw the acts but never knew God's ways. Whereas Moses saw God's ways and was able to move along with the Lord on the path. And so, and we only touched on one, I'll finish this next week, God's ways mean various things, not just what is revealed in his word. See, his ways, uh, there are other meanings of his ways 
that pertain to us on a personal level, and that's what I wanted to get to today, and I touched on that anyway. But um, for you and I, this whole thing becomes very important, not so much knowing his ways, but knowing the Spirit of God who will direct us in God's ways, will, will show us and reveal to us, and then direct us in his ways. And as I said earlier, I believe that that's missing in the church, and not so much here uh, as it is in some other churches or with certain Christians that you come in contact with, that uh, that doesn't mean they're not saved necessarily. It may mean that maybe they don't have the teaching. Maybe they don't have the sensitivity to be led. Maybe they don't surrender to be led. And there can be a, a number of things or a combination of things that can, can hinder their progress in the kingdom. And, and they, they just don't penetrate and move into certain things uh, because of you know, what's going on in their heart and life. You know, a person can be in a church for years, 10, 15, 20, 25 years, and still not see it. They don't see it. And you say, well, what's the it? Well, I can't tell you. You'll know when you see it. But there are people that go to church and may sit under some of the best teaching. They may sit under the Spirit of the Lord and still don't get it. Certain things they just don't get. They don't see because, you know, they're, like I said, there's various reasons. And they're not, they don't move into certain things. And it, it, to me, it's kind of sobering. When I see someone like that, that's very sobering for me. And, and I see the blessing of God in my own life to even be able to see a few things that are very, very, very important to relationship. And so... I want to encourage you today to put aside your own ways and look to the Lord and ask him to teach you.